Hello, everybody. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to remind you guys of our sponsor, Routine. Routine has a variety of products, but is most well-known for their proprietary formula called Morning Routine. Um, if you guys didn't know, when you sleep, when you like, once you fall asleep when you wake up, you normally lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water. And a lot of that is just from expelling vapors and sweating during your sleep. Yeah, I know. Kind of gross, but it's the truth. So when you wake up, most of the time, you're actually dehydrated. And what most people do, they go and grab a coffee and they become more dehydrated. Uh, and that's the start to your day. The guys at Routine wanted to change that, and they came up with something called Morning Routine, which was really developed out of Jake, the founder of Routine's uh, Morning Routine himself, which was he used to take a, a cup of water, squeeze a lemon in it, pour a spoon of that nasty apple cider vinegar solution that everyone you know has bought and probably sits in your shelf somewhere, and then threw uh, some sea salt into a glass. Uh, basically, what he did was he took that, and turn it into a product and he called it morning routine. So each morning routine packet, they come in these single serve packets that I just tear open and dump into my water, contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and in my favorite and the most important, no sugar. Most other products out there on the market actually um, have quite a bit of additional added sugar which is really not needed. And it, it doesn't really help you get hydrated first thing in the morning. So I wake up, tear one of those packet open, dump into brown, you know, just a shaker of water, uh, shake it up and you're good to go. Routine, a trusted ingredients made convenient. If this sounds good to you and you guys want to check it out, you can go to yourroutine.com. Uh, I have the link in the show notes and make sure to use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout and you guys can receive 30% off your first order. So a nice little discount. All right, everybody, before we dive into today's episode, uh, today I have Jordan DeChico. This is his second time on the podcast. He is the co-founder and youngest brother, as they're known, of Super Coffee. I think if you guys have listened to this podcast for a little while now, um, you may have listened to that episode with Jordan. It was, it was one of my most popular early founder series episodes, and these guys are crushing it. Uh, if you're at all paying attention to the food and beverage space and you haven't heard of the Super Coffee guys, I don't know where you get your news. Um, these guys really have been crushing it. They live on this thing, positive energy. It's on their packaging. It's the way they talk to people. It's the way they work with people. Uh, it's it's really electric, and it's it's fun to get to know Jordan over the last year or so. Uh, I've met some of their team, and, and they, they just all positive energy. They're trying to build something really cool. I wanted to get Jordan on, um, you know, as a second round, it's always fun to talk to founders for a second time. Cause usually in a short period of time in the startup space, a lot changes and moves, but super coffee just made the headlines because they just finished their series C funding round. They raised $106 million, uh, which puts their total valuation at over $500 million, which is just impressive. When I interviewed him last time, they had just finished their Series B, um, and they've almost tripled their value in a year. And not just tripled their value, they did it during a pandemic, which is phenomenal. It just goes to show how hardworking the, this team is. And uh, anyway, 
I'll, I'll let Jordan do the rest and we go into it. Uh, one of the things I loved about this episode that we really haven't talked about um, with any of the founders yet on the, in the founder series is, is just a little bit about culture and, and what has happened to culture as we all went from being in an office to being fully remote. And it sounds like, and, and honestly, the results show that Super Coffee was able to accomplish something that I think a lot of companies have not figured out. And that's how to continue to scale and grow an amazing work culture. And uh, yeah, we dive into a lot of stuff. But without further ado, give it up for Jordan DeChico. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I'm stoked today to have Jordan DeChico back on the podcast. Jordan, welcome to the show. Shane, man, thank you so much. Uh, pleasure to be back. Excited for the conversation. And uh, again, appreciate you for doing this as always. 100%. Thanks for taking the time. I forgot to mention too, before we started recording, I apologize. I'm like sweating here. It's because I, I <laughs> thought it'd be a smart idea to try to fit a workout in really quick before we hopped on and I decided to kill myself. So <laughs> I'm like I, I, sweating I, over here trying to do a podcast. I respect it. And I've been in your position. <laughs> we put a weight room in the new office for that reason. So I, I saw that. Yeah. Is that just, just you guys can get a pump in during work kind of thing? Yeah. We travel a ton. Right. And uh, generally we, we like to get up early and get our workouts in, you know, I'm usually five at 5 a.m. 5 30. But uh, throughout the day, if you want a little uh, break from meetings or uh, if you're getting on a flight and you know you won't, you know, get yeah. a workout tomorrow morning, the next morning, you try to get a double double workout in just to feel good, right? Like you just want to feel better. That's what working out is for us. Obviously, uh, it helps you look, look better and you like to stay in shape, but um, we just feel so much better. Our energy levels are higher when we're, when we're well exercised and eating well. So we 100%. try to do that. Yeah, I know. And you guys have always been, and obviously because the brand helps with this too. You guys are, are you all three of you, you and your two brothers, uh, are you guys still doing like keto and on all that stuff? I would say we're very keto aware. Um, and you know, we try to, um, eat low carb, but we're never really in ketosis. I mean, we lose, we would lose way too much weight. I've, I've, I've done it for real. Yeah. I just, I just shred too much weight. I mean, when you're working out every day, and we do a lot of conditioning because we like to run, we play hoops, you know, play football as well. Um, it's hard to do keto because, you know, you're just burning so much, you're burning so many, so much fat, you know, sure. You drop a ton of weight. So um, we'll still test it every now and then just to feel better. We'll do like 24, 36 hour fast, which will kick us into ketosis, but then we'll get out of it real quick. That's just like a little reset. Um, but then otherwise probably um, again, not eating too many carbs, but, working them in throughout the week just to not, you know, shed so much weight. Sure. No, that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Um, for everyone listening who doesn't know who Jordan is, I think I skipped right over that. So Jordan is one of the co-founders of super coffee, which if any of you have, you know, been living under a rock for the last few years, super coffee is one of the nation's largest, uh, ready to drink coffee brands and not just ready to drink anymore. You guys do, um, a variety of different coffee products, right? So, um, it was interesting because I, I wanted to have Jordan back on. Uh, we chatted a little over a year ago the first time. You guys had just finished a round of funding. Uh, and really, I felt like the theme of our first conversation was really around um, the 
for lack of better words, just uncertainty around COVID. At that point, I think you remember like we, you know, sampling had kind of stopped and that was like so important for Super Coffee at, at that time. Yep. And um, so I, I'm sure you guys have and what I've seen in the market, you guys have certainly pivoted in a lot of ways. So um, maybe the, just to start out, like, could you walk everyone through after our conversation really up till now? Like, what has COVID been like? I mean, there's a ton of things we'll talk about today, but you guys have moved. There's, there's, I mean, you've grown your team, which has been remarkable. Um, what was, what was COVID like? I mean, it's not over yet, but I guess, you know, the beginnings and, and really most of 2020. Yeah. So I think just context from, you know, the brand from a high level and then where we were at in that conversation, and then we'll get into the past, you know, 12 months, but um, you know, we started in 2016. Um, you know, we're the Pink's fastest growing food and beverage company in 2020. So leading up to 2020, um, and we built the team to about 75 people uh, at that point in time. And you know, we're doing you know about 70 million in, in revenue at that time. Um, so we're going into 2020, right? Like uh, we're on fire, right? Yeah. Like we're one of the oh, not not just one of the fastest growing brands today, but you know, of all time, if you look at just the the compounded annual growth rate. So we feel great. Um, we're getting ready to raise a big, a big series B round of funding at the time. Um and all of a sudden, and you know, come February, COVID, COVID hits and kind of flips the world on its head. And our strategy, by the way, just you know, you know the industry really well, but 80% of our business is done in retail, 20% yeah. on, online through our website and Amazon, but, um, and we built the brand as we were competing with Coke and Pepsi because they own the shelf. So we hire a lot of sales reps, um, a lot of part-time sales reps as well. And we work with distributors who are in stores all day, every day, right. Interacting with customers, interacting with partners, pouring samples on the weekends because we don't have a multi-million dollar marketing budget. Right. Um, Got to get liquid to lips is what we say to, get people to try it because if we can convince somebody hey this has 80 calories zero sugar 10 grams of protein tastes like a starbucks um and cost the same like would you buy it right yeah right usually it's like yeah like hell yeah i'll give that a try so that's how we built the brand when covid hit all of that went away right Everything. i remember i remember not to cut you off but i remember when leading into our conversation really in covid i mean i felt like you guys were the kings of sampling like you guys just had like these wild displays and you were everywhere yeah we we definitely took a lot of pride um put a lot of time energy effort personally right because when we started we were the ones doing our own manufacturing we were doing our own distribution and at the end of the distribution distribution day we'd go back and pour samples and then we do it on the weekends right so yeah. we saw firsthand how important and impactful it was we wanted to scale the brand that way and even today, we're starting to get back to it. The Delta variant is, is slowing it down, but we're getting back to our roots a little bit more. But um, when COVID hit, flipped things upside down, and we had to kind of take a look at the business. That first thing we said was, look, we, we believe that it's going to be, it's going to take a long time. We didn't think it was going to come and go. We, we did, you know, some homework on it. Um, but we did commit to no, furlough, no furloughs or layoffs, um, you know, for at least... Uh, the foreseeable future, which at that point we we believed would be forever, which yeah. was true. We didn't. We haven't done any furloughs or layoffs um, in the past year. Or so. Wow, that's. I mean, just right there. That's congrats yes. on that. I mean, that's a Thank huge accomplishment. You. I can't tell any companies that are not in that boat. Yeah, it, uh, and we're we're blessed and grateful because we decided to invest in our team. So even when sales took a hit, and they did, right? They did take a hit for sure. Um, you know, we believed in our team 
um, and their ability to show up and people who, who felt unsafe, right? If, if obviously there was no sign of vaccinations back then, right? Like they were risking their lives. We started paying people more money, actually. Um, oh, wow. We were paying people more to go out there, risk their, their health, their family's health. Um, but we promised them that you'd have a, you'd have a job here. Um, you know, obviously if people refused, we tried to repurpose them in terms of their roles, not repurpose them, but, um, put them into another role where they could be successful as well. Um, and then some people decided to leave, right. If they didn't feel comfortable or safe, they did decide to leave. And that, that was a big, a big part of last year as well. Um, and that's okay too, right. We want people to feel comfortable and safe at all times, sure. um, but at the same time, right. We can't afford, you know, forever for people to not, not go out and, and help us grow the business together. So um, it was really challenging. It's a fine balance every day. We just try to keep the team engaged over the past 12 months um, and take care of them as much as possible financially. Um, but then also emotionally, mentally making sure, you know, we have unlimited PTO for everybody. So making sure people were taking breaks, taking rest, taking breathers. Um, it was tough safe. during that time too. Cause you just like woke up and went to bed. You're in the same house and you worked and you Right. Exercise a lot there of people. No, it was no break. And no light at the end of the tunnel either, right? Yeah. I mean, it really wasn't. It was easy to lose hope. Um, easy to to uh feel defeated at times. Um, and I think as small, small business owners, you know, founders, um, we felt that weight and that pressure, but we leaned on each other and we leaned on our team. Um, and that's ultimately what what helped us get to, you know, this point, which, you know, a year later we just closed our series C, which I'm sure we'll talk about and doubled Wild. the size of the team, doubled revenue, more than doubled revenue, and um, hopefully continue to, to grow at that rate. So um, we're excited. We're grateful and fortunate, obviously still dealing with the pandemic. Don't want to overlook that at all. Um, but we think we've, we've figured out a better way to maneuver and, and be dynamic throughout it. Sure. And one of the things I, I love about you guys, you guys always preach the like, positive energy. Um, how did you guys, one of the questions I, I, I thought would be interesting to ask you is it seemed just from my own personal experience. And I know lots of people would probably say this is like during, it was during the pandemic, it was really hard to keep culture. Like, you know, you go from like being in an office where like culture's everything to everyone being remote. Were you, did you feel like you guys were pretty successful at, at keeping the culture alive and, and delivering that? And if you did, like, how did you guys, how do you think you guys did that? Yeah. So I think we'll start at culture happens every day, no matter what right? Like culture, we define culture as the collective personality of mm -hmm. everyone in the organization. Um, and it happens every day. Um, so no matter what, if you, if you know it or not, right, if you define it or not, culture is, is there, it's happening, right? People are defining you. Um, and that is the culture of the organization. Um, and, you know, you asked about, about positive energy and it, it, that's just so authentic to who we are. Um, and when we started the company, we didn't define our purpose. We didn't define our mission. We didn't define our culture and our values, um, which I believe every, every founder and company should do immediately, uh, yeah. look, looking back on it. Um, cause you gotta be clear and you gotta be authentic. Um, but what we did was, you know, a year later or two years in, actually, we were preparing to go on shark tank actually. And we were getting ready to do a rebrand. Um, we finally had money to pay for branding. And we didn't, again, I dropped out of school after my freshman year. My brothers didn't go to school for marketing or, or, or branding in, in any sense. So we didn't have this background or experience. But what the branding team did, the agency, which was helpful, was just like, who are you guys, right? Like at your core, who are you? And like, we've never been asked that before, right? Sure. We're, like, we're like, we're just like out here hustling coffee, you know what I mean? Um, but they're like, why? 
right? And we're like, what do you mean? Why? Like, we're trying to build a great company. And yeah. Like, yeah. But why? Um, so like those <laughs> types of like deeply philosophical questions. Sure. It, was really this back when you guys were called Cineva? Or was yeah, it exactly. When we yeah, were going yeah. from Cineva to a rebrand because we were like having an identity crisis because we didn't do this work, right? Got this is like it, yeah. Hard mundane work. You can't just do things because you think they're the right thing to do, right? You have to have, you know, some logic and, and really well thought out strategy and plans. And um, so we sat down and put in a lot of time and energy and effort into defining our purpose, mission, vision, values uh, for the brand, which would ultimately define our culture, right? Those things define the culture if you live up to them. Uh, but because we did it looking backward instead of looking forward, we actually just defined what we were already doing. We didn't wow. set ask. We they they are also aspirational, but I think a lot of companies fool themselves, right? Where they put their values on the wall and they're like, "These are our values. This is who we want to be." Yes. And then, literally thirty minutes after the meeting, they're doing something completely, you know, <laughs> opposed to those values. Sure, I've seen that. So, where instead we just labeled the things that we were doing. Like, what do we actually value? Well, it's like, and we'll talk about our, our core values right now. Is we we like to have what we call a coach mindset. And coach is an acronym that stands for curious, optimistic, ambitious, compassionate, and humble. Ah, I love that. Those, those are our values. Uh, and we were like, well, what is our purpose? And we were like, well, you know, we really like treating people well. We're removing negatives and putting in positive ingredients. We want people to feel good. We want to help people be the best versions of themselves. Our purpose isn't to sell coffee or even build a great company. Our purpose is to mass produce positive energy. And that's where positive energy came from. Oh, I love that. Stake in the ground of uh, we're here to mass produce positive energy. That's why we wake up. Uh, how do we do that? We live up to these core values. Um, our mission um, is to do this on a global scale. And we really want to measure that too. We want to put in benchmarks. The mission should really feel like a goal. Um, that's it's a far out goal. Uh, and then a vision as well for the brand. Like where do we want to be in 30, 40 years? Um, and how do we want to show up globally? Um, so these are the, like the, the key elements in our, in, you know, in general, but really for us that we've honed in on that, um, we've surrounded the culture around. And what I mean by that is all of our hires, right? Like we benchmark them against these things, like not, are you good at the role? Can you do director of e-commerce? You know, can you do supply sure. chain? Yeah. But like, are you a good person? Do you meet these values? Give me examples. I need references, like, et cetera. Also, who we promote, who we fire, right? Like it started actually informing how we acted um, and built the brand. And that's how we're at where we are today, where it's like, look, we've let go of some really incredible and talented individuals who were assholes. And like, yeah, sure. We, we, we like to say, like, if you're curious, optimistic, and ambitious, right? And you're a great performer because of those three, but you're not compassionate and you're not humble, you can't work here. Right. And like, we don't, it's toxic for our environment and goes against why we exist. If you're not mass producing positive energy with us. So we're, we take those things really seriously. We hold ourselves to the highest standard first, try to be great role models as founders. Um, Cause we really believe in those things. And then it trickles down. But again, like we tell people every day, like culture is the collective personality. The brothers can't see everything. So if you see somebody doing something that doesn't align with our culture and those things, then you got to call them out and give them feedback. And hopefully they improve like a coach would, or they choose not to. And unfortunately probably won't be with us in the future. So it's, sure. it's gone pretty deep on those things. Uh, I know Love it's that. 
on a tangent. But, no, that was great. Uh, yeah, I think back to positive energy. That's our purpose. That's what fuels us. We put it on our packaging, all of our gear. Um, but it's what we truly believe in, aspire to to produce every day. I, I love that. Was it, you know, that makes a ton of sense to me and how you guys would hire and, and how you kind of go about your day to day. Um, I know in my time at RX, there was, um, I would say like very similar hiring practices and like similar kind of ways of how they started to build that culture. Uh, a lot of, I would say a lot of similarities between the two stories that, between that and what you just told me. Um, did you guys find that that became more difficult once you guys went from, you know, I feel like you guys have this personality that you see on Instagram and online that you guys, I can totally see like that positive energy. Was that tougher to like encompass and spread through zoom or did you guys find ways to just, you know, every meeting you guys all have to kind of, you know, be positive and, and drive that during COVID? Yeah, I think we, one, we, we wanted to, I think just for any leader in any company, you know, throughout a pandemic like this or just remote workforce in general, um, you have to be very present. So we showed up in Slack, on email, on Zoom every week. You know, we have all hands every other, we have all hands every Monday um to kick off monday morning and then every other wednesday we would do an all hands just for midweek updates midweek energy and then uh end of of week what we started instilling during covid were were happy hours virtual happy hours with the team nice we were in front of the team a lot and then of course the last thing we were doing you know trying to be good models is the three of us were out in the trade probably every week last year i mean i probably was 48 weeks last year in a different part of the country, just spending time with our distributors and wholesalers and our team, getting actual FaceTime um, as much as we could. Um, and then definitely once I was fully vaccinated and vaccines were out, you know, I still, we got this beautiful new office in Texas this is really my first week here. Uh, yeah. because I've uh, still been out in the trade and that's, that's where you build, you build the bond, you build the trust, you build culture with your people, not from your laptop at home saying, Hey, you guys have to work because we need you guys to work to build the business, but I get to be here and just tell you what to do, right? It's like, no, I'm going to go out there with you and we're going to do it together and we're going to achieve our goals together. Love that. I, I've heard so much of that during COVID. I, I will say you guys are probably one of the only groups of founders that I, not the only ones, that's probably an overestimation, <laughs> but like I do give you guys a lot of credit, like at least externally, not being a part of the Super Coffee team. Like you see that, like you guys are out there. You guys, it seems like you guys are always meeting with, all sorts of customers, brokers, distributors, you see that even as an external person. So bravo for that. Cause I, I do think that does like totally change the culture versus what you said, sitting behind zoom and expecting the teams to, you know, continue performing at the level they were before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard, right? I mean, it's really hard, but I think the cool thing is what we've learned is like, look, that's where the business is, right? Like no matter what. So like, you'll never go wrong by spending time where the business is. I think there does need to be a fine balance when you're an executive running a, running a fast growing, you know, hundred million dollar company um, for sure. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, and, but that's like the hard shit, right. That makes it really difficult. And COVID made it really harder is like, yeah, we would go spend 12 hours in the trade and then we would look at financial reports at night to make sure our money was in the bank account. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. to make sure, like we were performing to make sure that people were feeling good, right. Dealing with the issues as we went. But still, prioritizing time in the trade with your partners and your your team um, will pay tenfold in the future, um, and that's why we you know we prioritized it. Love it. No, I love that. Um, and so I, I think the, the 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 next kind of angle to steer at. Love that. I think you guys are one of the few that really, in my opinion, crushed COVID in a, in a you know cultural way, 
And then obviously the next thing from a sales perspective. So you mentioned that, you know, sales started to dip. It was challenging for a long time, but then, you know, the new news, which is one of the big reasons we wanted to catch up is you guys closed another, another round of funding, your valuation more than doubled. So there must've been a lot of great things that happened uh, after we last chatted. Would you mind kind of just, what are some of the things that happened in the back half of 2020? And then obviously through really the, probably at least the first half of 2021 that you guys pivoted and, and made the most out of the situation that was COVID. Yeah, I think two, two things, one external facing and then two internally, I mean, externally, right? Like the vaccine provided light at the end of the tunnel, which I think everybody needed from an investor standpoint and obviously global standpoint, citizen, yeah. every citizen needed that. Um, and then internally, our strategy worked, right? Like people stayed together. We bonded together. We worked harder. We worked smarter. Um, we had signed a master distribution contract with, with Anheuser-Busch and we supported them. We showed up for them. They showed up for us. Uh, we launched new, we continued to launch new products. We decided not to pull any innovation. A lot of brands stopped innovating. We decided to double down on innovation. We launched grounds and pods last year for people who are at home, hot coffee cons, uh, consumption. Uh, we launched plant-based versions of our core lineup. Uh, we extended on creamers. Like we did a lot of, of things that, um, a lot of brands wouldn't do because they're considered risky. Yeah. Um, but we felt that it was, it was important for the brand, um, and our customers ultimately, right. Like working from backward from the customers, we really wanted to show up in a meaningful way for, for our customers, um, and our partners and, and that paid dividends and the, the brand grew again, we were able to continue hiring. Um, the culture got stronger, um, performance was great. It wasn't where, what, where we wanted it to be. We certainly missed budget for the year by a good amount, but financially we made decisions, other decisions. We made cuts in other areas and got efficient in other areas to, to make sure it wasn't horrible on the bottom line. Um, and then coming out in, you know, the start of this year, a lot of the same thing, a compounding effect. And I think, you know, sales still aren't where we w- would like them to be. I think, you know, we're still getting impacted, especially with Delta now over yeah. the summer, you know, there's less sure. uh, seasonal spike. Um, but what, what we were able to do was to show investors that look, the brand is really strong, you know, repaid, right. Products great. Um, but what you're really going to be investing is, you know, the team, the culture, um, you have full commitment from founders and leadership team here that we're going to do no matter what happens, we're going to do whatever it takes. So if there's any uncertainty, uh, because of COVID, you know, you can count on us. Um, we put together a really great deck, um, and try to summarize all of this, all of this goodness into one really concise message. Um, we needed the capital, right? We were burning cash. We're not profitable. Um, but we wanted it to be our last fundraising round. So we ah. you know, get to profitability. Um, and then, um, really not have to worry about raising capital, but, uh, so we went out and raised a hundred million dollars at, um, $550 million valuation. Some of that, first was of all, just, to stop you there congratulations like that's a monumental feat of anyone thank trying you. to start anything so congrats to thank that you. that's phenomenal yeah. appreciate you brother appreciate you brother thank you man um it was definitely you know beyond our wildest dreams you know when i when we first started the company we thought we'd be lucky if we could sell it for 100 million yeah um, right? <laughs> we were like that, I mean, would, that be, would have been a good goal right yeah and people were laughing at us they're like how are you guys gonna sell it you know what i mean so um, to get that valuation is obviously great to get the money is great with a great partner too, who cares about us and cares about the brand and the mission they're, they're letting us, you know, run it. They're not even sitting on the board, which is, you know, I think just their trust in us is, is remarkable. 
Um, we were able to provide liquidity, some early investors with that too. So our aunts, nice. our aunts were our first investors. I mean, they, they, they made a bet on us, you know, very early on. Um, I don't want to disclose financials, but sure, it changed, yeah. it changed our lives financially. Um, so we're like really cool to see those types of things happen um, from, from the, from the work of the team. Um, but ultimately what it means, right. More pressure to perform, which we like, um, a, a lot greater expectations. You know, if you're investing in a series C with a $500 million valuation, they're betting on us to become a multi-billion dollar brand. And we know yeah. that. Um, and the team knows that too, right. We're, we're pretty clear about that, but it gets us going and it, it fuels our culture and our team. And, um, you know, we think we can go out and do it over the next couple of years. Yeah, that's exciting, man. I mean, just to summarize from an external perspective, I mean, it's it's been wild over the last few years. I know, you know, even earlier on in my RX days, I remember I had a connect with, and I, I'm blanking on his name now, but you and I connected and then I connected. It was like, at that time, he was like your only e-com guy, just to like kind of learn a little more about Amazon and like to see from that to where you yeah. guys, that was like in 2018, maybe. Yeah. Um, this is crazy. You guys have just, you've scaled so fast. So congrats on that. I think one of the things that stood out to me and, and, and this would be an interesting, I'm just curious how this works. Like a lot of people we've had on here lately, it seems like have been raised. It seems like raising money has been like out of the, I would say like the darkest periods of COVID, the capital raises have become, an, it's becoming more and more common again, which is great to see that there's, there's money being, you know, raised. Um, what has it been like though? I mean, you guys, you guys have had a lot of different partners, but now it seems like you guys are getting a lot of like very high profile people involved and like just a lot of honestly, like celebrities and big time venture firms. Like what has that kind of been like for you guys as obviously like, you know, you started this in your dorm room to now you have people like JLo and A-Rod, you know, as investors, has that been just like kind of, has it been hard for you to like take a step back and just realize like, that's, that's pretty crazy, man. That's yeah, cool. it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy, right? It's it's surreal, I would say. Um, you know, when you think about it from that lens of of you know starting the company a few years ago out of the dorm room, but you you don't get caught up in it. And we try not to get caught up in it. We try to run run the business and and um, be great partners for them. And we also vet all of our partners the same way we vet employees in a way. Like obviously oh. we're at, we're asking them for money, but at the same time we don't want money if it's you know not a good culture fit either. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah. So we want to make sure that investors, um, same thing, reference checks, right? Like how, are, how do these investors show up at board meetings? How do they show up when times get tough? Um, how do these celebrities show up right in, in social settings and in, in times of trial, because we are in a, a pretty, pretty tough time right now. Um, so we just want to make sure we're surrounding ourselves with great people. Um, if they can invest capital to, to grow the business, great. Our responsibility is to, to grow the business and, hopefully make them money. Right. That's why they're yeah, investing. Right. Um, but also allow them to be a part of the mission, which is, which is why we do it. Um, so I think that it's a win-win for, for everyone involved. Um, but again, like our job is to show up every day, grow the business and, and put in the time, energy and effort. And we work just as hard today as we did when we launched out of the dorm room. Um, so nothing has changed from, from that perspective. Right. So, um, I think that's the most important thing and why, why, uh, we've gotten to this point, but also I think why we're going to continue to, to grow the brand. Now that, ma- that makes a ton of sense. I'm, I'm, I was laughing there at the beginning. We said that I'm envisioning you guys asking JLo for like a reference. You're like, Hey, hold on. I need to, we yeah, need to get yeah. your reference. Like that is, that's awesome. That's quite the move. Um, no, that's wild. I, that's- I, I actually did though. Did you really? I, no, I didn't ask JLo for reference. Obviously her, her, it's, it's pretty public who she worked with, but yeah, uh, she had worked with one of my buddy's uh, companies and, you know, I just reached out and said, look, what's it like? Like really what's it like? Right. Cause you know, not, 
being you know zealous but like we could get the amount yeah. she's investing we could get from anybody in in theory right but like we want to make sure that it's going to be a good partnership right um, there's like one that, thing to have the publicity it's another thing like they're a partner in your business so no i just hats off that's good you think a lot of people they they get that opportunity like oh just take it like it yes is. you know that's yeah. awesome no that's yeah. a smart move yeah man yeah but it's been fun it's been a lot of fun again we're extremely fortunate and blessed and um put a lot of time in but we give all the credit to the team obviously our investors too i mean like they've taken bets on us and believed in us and um probably when they shouldn't <laughs> they shouldn't have but um set us up for success and um that's what we want to keep keep striving for we just want to you know make sure that we're we're doing right by them and the team right we owe it to the team who's putting in the work to uh, to show up every day and do the same thing yeah no that makes that makes total sense um what is this you know Hundred over hundred million dollars is obviously a lot of money. What are like some of the big things that you guys through this raise are hoping to accomplish with the additional funding? Yeah, I mean, always you know, for us, generally speaking, we like to innovate and renovate and improve our product lines, but that doesn't cost us a lot of money. Right? I mean, we're pretty lean, um, and we can do you know a lot of cool things from a product perspective without spending a bunch of money, which I think is a, a great muscle that we have. Um, but uh, it's really sales and marketing that we're going to continue to, to beef up. And the key insight is like, look, while we're, while we've grown fast and we're big, we're still only, you know, sold in less than 50% of stores in, in our country, um, less than 10% of convenience stores. And even in those stores, it's only like our top two or three SKUs, right? It's not our full, full portfolio. Um, and we only have sales rep. I mean, we have sales reps in just about every state, but only one or two in every state, right? Like, what does our brand look like if we have 10 sales reps in every state? Sure. Um, what does our I, brand look like? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say, I saw that stat on an article the other day and I couldn't believe that. I was like, really? 40% of distribution that I couldn't believe that. I was like, wow, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. So there's still a lot of distribution to be gained. We're, we're only one year into our Anheuser-Busch relationship. Um, so we want to keep partnering with those guys and, and incentivizing them and helping build and show up in meaningful ways. Um, we obviously want to grow the, the sales team, as I mentioned, because again, we built the brand by going an inch wide and a mile deep, but you know, when you, when you're scaling quickly, it's, it's easy to say, Hey, we just launched Safeway Seattle. We got to put one person in Safeway Seattle, but we can only afford one person, but yeah. now we can, you know, now we can put four or five people in Seattle. Right. So those are the types of moves we want to make to grow the brand. And then from a marketing perspective, um, I mean, we'd never had more than, you know, a couple million dollars into marketing each year. Um, so we really want to beef that, beef that up, uh, cause our brand awareness, our, our aided brand awareness right now is about 25%, but our unaided brand awareness is less than 5%. Oh, wow. Um, so, so lots of room there too. Ton of room there. And our net promoter score is second in all of coffee globally. So we are only second to Starbucks. Wow. Um, but every other brand, Dunkin' Donuts, La Colombe, like all of these brands that everybody knows, cause they've been around for so many years and have cafes and have this and that, Right they have lower net promoter scores, which just means people view us as a better option, right? They, they view the brand as aspirational. They view the brand as a quality brand and they're willing to spend on the brand, but we're not doing a good enough job of grabbing their attention right now. We're not doing a good enough job of showing up where they show up every day. Um, so those are the things we're going to be spending money on. And by the way, uh, it, it, it's meant to last us forever. It's almost forever money in the sense of we should become profitable with this capital. Um, and if not, it's because we didn't execute. Um, so it, it is meant to be our last round of fundraising. We could have went out and said, Hey, like, 
let's raise 30 or 40 million and maybe that'll last us two or three years and we'll see what we can do. But this yeah. is meant to be, this is meant to put us in a position to be profitable and, and be a standalone business. Or if there's a strategic sale opportunity in the future, we can at least have options and we're not kind of pigeonholed into, into a corner. So, so everyone listening essentially missed out on their opportunity this, that you guys are done, done raising capital. Unless we go public, then maybe people could make the decision to. I was going to say, I mean, is that, is that something, is that kind of where you guys want to take this is, is now. We want to have the option, right? I think we want the optionality, but we got to be, we got to become profitable. Um, I mean, there's brands out there too, right? Like Oatly is a great example of a very unprofitable food and beverage company that's public. Um, But we want to, you know, we want to do that. Um, We've raised a lot of capital from investors. We've, we've scaled pretty quickly. And we think it's the best long-term play for the business and we can continue growing. Um, so it's definitely an option on the table, um, but I think we got some, some hard work before that's a possibility. And that's why we raised you know, the capital that we raised to give us the time to, to improve the business. Great, great overview. So congratulations on that. I mean, like, again, I'll just say it. I mean, that's, it was huge news. I was pumped for you guys. It's exciting to see. And it's, it's exciting to see guys like you who were, you know, putting positive energy out there and building something good and it's good for you. And it's, it's just a, it's just a great brand to like either follow or be a consumer of and, and to see you guys continue to, you know, have successful raises like that is, is awesome. So congrats on that. Um, Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Of course. I mean, it, when you think of, 40% of distribution, like, are there some, like, what are like the big, big, big player? And you don't have to name any specific retailers yeah. if you don't want to, if you're working on stuff, but just curious, like, what are some of like the big slam dunks that are left to really unlock at this point? Cause it seems like 60% is a lot of doors. Right. Well, I think, you know, again, you look at convenience um, and we're less than 10%. Yeah. That's a big um, one in, in convenience. Um, and and is coffee pretty big inconvenience just as a whole? Yeah, about 49% of ready-to-drink sales come through the convenience. And you're only in 10% of those doors. Wow. That's why you compete there um, and show up in a meaningful way, which is expensive. Um, You know, you pay slotting, right? You pay Sure, and that's not cheap. Yeah. And um, so we got to show up and compete. And then on the the mass side, I mean, we're we're not showing up. You know, we're, we're in less than half of Walmarts right now, and it's only two SKUs. Um, oh yeah you know and same with kroger you know less than half of kroger's a couple skews but we're expanding now and rolling more out um and it's really like that across the board i mean even target like we're not in all targets um and we have more skews to get so i mean almost every retailer albertson safeway we don't have great distribution at all probably you know a quarter of their stores right now with very limited selection so it's like when you look at the delta between us and starbucks their bottled portfolio but, you know, they're a two, $2 billion revenue brand, right? But not only are they in every store, but they have every SKU in, in every store and sure. in, in multiple parts of the store. So they have, they own the entire home set and center store. They'll do back channel displays year round and then upfront hydro caps year round. And, and then again, the Pepsi reps will, will sell in occasional cold space and shippers and things like that. So like, the difference is just dramatic, but the reason they can do that is because they're unlimitedly funded by Pepsi. They have the best distribution, right? Like almost yeah. no barriers, basically. Um, and for us, it's like, we're still just scratching the surface. So not only do we need to expand distribution, but we got to get more SKUs in. Um, and then we got to do a better job of, of getting placement, which is also expensive in those stores, whether it be front end coolers, um, better home placement, back channel placement around the grocery store, et cetera. So, long way to go. It's a, it's a nuanced game that we play for sure. 
Um, same thing with e-commerce, right? You can invest a ton in e-commerce to grow that channel, but right. we, want, we still want to spend tactfully and make sure we're, we're getting a high, high return on ads. But makes sense. All that makes a ton of sense. I mean, I, it's, it's exciting to hear that too, because for, first of all, I didn't know that until I read that article and then that's a great explanation, but also, um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much room there. I mean, that, that's, that's wild to hear, especially hearing the, your competitors. I mean, that's, that's crazy to think about. Is that, and was that a little bit like, is that the way beverage as a whole kind of works where they'll, they'll take a bet on you for a couple of SKUs and see how they do? Or was that something kind of strategic as well that you guys were like, let's just get a couple of SKUs in a few doors, see if it works. No. Yeah. I think, I think that's generally how, how, you know, beverage as we've seen show up in, in the early life cycle of a brand, right? Like a, a good comparison is buy what sold mm-hmm. to Eric Dr. Pepper for almost $2 billion a few years ago. But like, when they started out, it was the same same thing. You know, they got a couple of their top SKUs in stores and they hustled and hustled and hustled. And now today, if you go into a Target, right, 10 years, 15 years, almost 10 to 15 years after their launch, whatever, um, you know, they have 20 to 30 SKUs in every store in the country and they have hydro caps, right? So we're trying to right. get that. Get, they did it successfully. Vitamin water is another one, right? Like same thing when they launched, you know, they struggled and now they're in the Coke system and they, they own the category. Body Armor is doing it right now really well. And- the sports drink category, they're right. they just passed a billion in revenue. Oh, um, did they really? Wow. Yeah, but five years ago, they were struggling to, to get off the ground. So, um, you know, I just think it's the nature of, of the beast that we play. It's a high volume game. You got to get placements, got to get great, great products in the door. Um, and you need the team out there building the brand with your partners. Right. No, that that definitely makes sense. Um, for you guys, has, has, as you mentioned, has e-commerce become a bigger piece of your pie through COVID or it's been interesting because it sounds like you guys are still crushing it in retail and you have lots of room in retail. Has e-com, have you kind of ridden the wave with the rest yeah. of the e-com world? Yeah, it stayed relatively constant around, you know, 15 to 20% of, of sales. Um, you know, it's about 50-50 between our website and, and Amazon. So um, it's pretty good, pretty good split. And it's something that we want to continue to grow. Obviously we know retail is going to kind of keep growing. So it might be tough to keep that that, that uh, same balance of 80 20 but um you know i think we have a, an amazing team on the e-com side now and more dollars to support the business and a better skew mix to 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 sell so i think that e-com will continue to grow um i don't know if it'll keep up again with with the retail growth but i do think it's going to continue to scale for us and that's what we're projecting right we want it to be you know 50 60 70 million dollar business for us in the next couple of years it just takes time to get there that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, it's been a wild year for e-com for sure. Um, so you guys have distribution to gain. You have, you know, SKUs to gain within that distribution. What else can people who are listening and maybe either know Super Coffee from before this podcast or, you know, just hearing for the first time today, what are some like exciting things? I know you don't have to share anything specific that you, that isn't public, but like anything people can look forward to in the next few months or next year, as far as like new and exciting things out of Super Coffee. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll have a ton of new products coming out. Um, you know, we have seasonal flavors coming out this, this fall and winter, obviously. And then to kick off the new year, we got some pretty big launches coming up. Um, we'll be doing some cool things around Super Bowl and uh, um, hopefully showing up just in every retailer where you guys go and then you can get it online as well. So everywhere you go, every point of life, we want you seeing the brand, um, interacting with it. We just launched our first campaign called Add Something Positive um, that's showing up on all platforms right now too. So uh, we just want to be that authentic brand that you can rely on. If you're thinking, if you're a coffee drinker or an energy drinker, we get a lot of people who, who don't drink coffee who love the brand too. So love it. Um, hopefully just showing up and for providing products that make you healthier, make you feel better, 
um, and tastes great and are just enjoyable to, to consume. Love that. Love that. Um, obviously, we're, this is all about super coffee. But one of the questions I wanted to ask you that I started asking founders, I think it's a really interesting thing to frame up here at the end, is uh, after your time at super coffee is over, which I'm sure you hope and it seems like your plan is for a very long time. What do you, Jordan, want to be remembered for? I think servant leadership as you know, a broad category is, is what I'm really passionate about and will take with me throughout my career um, in terms of the role I want to play in, in society and for organizations more specifically. Uh, and what I mean by that is serving a mission. So working you know, on a mission-driven um, brand or organization and then serving the people within the organization. So that's helping people grow, develop, um, giving them the tools, resources that they need to be successful, because nothing's more fulfilling to me than than that, right? It's the same concept, right, of giving back to others. It's, it's my version of, of giving back um, and then creating things that, that actually have value for people, but it comes from the servant leadership mindset, right? Like we make great products to serve others. Um, and, you know, we like to say we're, we're not in the coffee business serving people, we're in the, the people business serving coffee. So oh, um, I love that. You know, it's something that uh, that we take really seriously and I take really seriously and um, really try to put into practice every day. Got it. Love that. Um, I know we're getting short on time. So the last couple, I've actually, I think I've asked you maybe these the last time. I can't remember if we asked these or not, but anyway, I love to always ask these um, yep. for you. Cause yeah, you're, you got it. You're obviously you're running a big business. So this is a, uh, you know, you got lots of stuff going on all the time. Like you said, you travel a lot. Um, what tools do you use? Actually, I remember your answer last time. Now that I'm asking this, what okay. tools do you use now to, you know, track your goals and really accomplish daily tasks? And then, you know, it could be apps, could be pen and paper. Just what do you use to get shit done? Yeah, I think we try to, um, you know, we try to streamline the process, you know, really performance management for, for the company. So we do use uh, some software internally um, that, you know, best suited for organizations, obviously, but individually, I just think in terms of best practices, um, some sort of document, uh, whether it be a spreadsheet or just a Google Doc or Microsoft Word Doc, where you're writing out long-term goals with short-term benchmarks um, that you're looking at every day and you're benchmarking yourself on. So what, you know, we like to have annual goals, but I also have a five-year goal uh, document um, I think beyond five years, you know, you can have a vision board and, and think, you know, philosophically about where you sure. want to go and what you want to do, but you know, you want to create room for flexibility. It's hard to see beyond three to five years. So, um, something that you can clearly state your goals, mark, benchmark your progress, hold yourself accountable to them, share them with others, right? Like create plans under those goals, etc. So, um, that's just one general thing, um, in terms of like, good goal setting practice for us. Um, and then the other thing is some sort of process um, with yourself, whether it be daily or weekly um, and your teams, right? If you're managing people um, to just make sure you're stepping back um, on a regular basis, giving yourself the time to think about like, why am I aiming for this goal? Is this still relevant two months after I said it, right? Like, can I adjust it maybe? Am I making progress towards it? What am I missing? What's standing in my way? What can I do to, to, to make more progress. So that way, all of your actions are always tied back to your goals. You never want to be the person who has this beautiful document of goals that you dust off every six months. And sure. What happened here, um, right? You want to make it very practical um, and more of like a guide um, than, than anything. So that's that's been super 
transformative for me. And then um, using, you know, tools like Google Calendar and things like that to stay organized so I'm staying on track. Got it. Love that. Um, what what, uh, what about favorite book or a podcast or source of knowledge? Is there anything new that you've read or done lately that you'd like to recommend to the audience? Yeah, I, I um, you know, for this conversation, probably, you know, I have a variety of podcasts I listen to, just love listening to great leaders. Um, but Masters of Scale uh, podcast by Reed Hoffman is, is a great one because you get Reed's perspective as one of the, you know, great founders and entrepreneurs of, you know, the past probably 30 years, 20 years. Um, and then all of his guests that he is on, which is incredible, incredible uh, group of people that I've learned a lot from listening to. And um, and then book, um, you know, there's so many amazing business and leadership and, and, you know, books that I could talk about. I, I tend to have a recency bias when this question comes up because sure. every book I read, I love, um, <laughs> but, Same uh, way. one that's probably made a great impact that is, is relevant for everyone too, is principles by Ray Dalio. And I think I mm, love that book too. Just so practical, like he's got hundreds of principles in there, and they're not all going to apply to everyone, but you're going to find some really good ones that will apply for you. Uh, and if you put them into practice and just take his process, right, the way he thinks about writing his principles out and going back to them and putting them into practice, you'll find value in them. So I, I do recommend that a lot because I think it, everyone can find value from that book. Love it. No, that's a great one. Appreciate that. Um, the, the last one is really how can people follow you and how can people get involved and try super coffee? Yeah, man. Um, I think the best, the best platform right now for us is, is Instagram, um, at drink super coffee. And then, uh, just add Jordan, uh, DeSico on, on Instagram as well. And, um, you know, if you want to go a little bit deeper, we have, we're on all platforms, right? Twitter, TikTok, yeah. uh, Facebook, et cetera. You guys are on TikTok. That's right. You guys are on the, yeah. definitely on the TikTok. TikTok cranks which is great, a great platform for us. But, um, and then hopefully showing up in your retailers if you want to try the product. But drinksupercoffee.com, again, like we talked about e-commerce, you can get try any product. You can bundle and save. You can sign up for subscription, et cetera. Like if you really want to to try the product and have it make a meaningful impact in your in your life, uh, definitely recommend giving the product a try on, on our website. Love that. I appreciate it. I will, uh, I'll link all that stuff in the show notes for anyone listening so you can go try Super Coffee. And uh, we didn't really talk about it, but- just want to say congrats on the move to Austin. I know last time we talked, you were like, guys were like thinking about some different cities and I saw the office yeah. from Instagram looks amazing. So very Thanks. cool. Yeah. Well, it was one of my three-year goals actually was to move out of New York city. Oh, I was it really? Know, yeah. I just didn't know which, which one and it's centrally located. It's really warm. Everybody's great down here. We have a, a new facility, a new, new uh, headquarters. So thank you, dude. It's, it's nice. It's, an, it's refreshing to have a backyard. Yeah. Oh, I bet. It's a big difference from New York. I can only imagine. Yeah, man, it is. And we're grateful for it. So uh, if anybody's ever in Austin, if you're ever in Austin, obviously hit us up. We'll get together for sure. Love to. Yeah, definitely need to make a trip down there and we'll see you guys for sure. Well, Jordan, thank you so much, man. I appreciate the time and uh, congrats on all your guys' continued success. And uh, we'll keep watching and keep drinking the coffee, man. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. See ya.